Hello and welcome Creative Questers. I'm Christina. And my name is Shefka. And today we're going to talk about dialogue and give you 10 tips on how to make dialogue better in your own writing. Yes. All right. So, hi. Hi. How are you? Not too bad at all. How about you? I can't complain. Sometimes I still do. Ah, fair enough. And now imagine writing down this dialogue as we just had it and putting that into a short story. Boring. Also really weird, honestly. Like, <laughs> who does that? Like, this is like, like the whole, how are you? Hi, whatever. Like, ah, oh, just admit that stuff. Like, I don't want to read about it. I need to say it to people. Not that I mind like asking you how you are, but you know, it's just. Let's be clear. <laughs> There's a difference between what you say in real life and what you write. True that. I mean, we could go directly into our list. As usual, we have a list of 10 tips on how to improve your dialogue and your writing. Or we could talk about purpose of dialogue and some of the things that dialogue can do. I think I wouldn't mind hearing a bit about purpose. Christina, you're the expert on this subject, Ooh. so I'll, I'll let you dive straight into that. <laughs> I don't know that I'm an expert, but I do sometimes give classes on this, so. Expert. <laughs> so the purpose of dialogue, it's multifold. One of them is to reveal story information and to get your story moving forward. Another, a big one, is character development. It can also set the time time period. It can set the scene. It can do world building. And it can also reveal the theme of your story. Yeah. And it also helps quite a lot with this misery of showing, not telling. Because if you just let characters say something a certain way, then you tell us a lot more about them and the story and what's going to happen next instead of, okay, so uh, this story is about this and that. And I don't know. And like, don't do that. That's super boring. Also, it's really weird. Like if, if you've ever read a story like that, you're like, you're reading like, this seems odd. No one ever does this, even though it's kind of, for me, it's a reflex. This is the first thing I do when I start a new story. Like I'm writing down all these things that are going to happen and just like do the whole, I do the telling and not showing thing, which. That's fine on our first draft. Completely it is, fine. It is. And, but also, I don't know how it is for you, Christina, but I usually jump into stories with pieces of dialogue. Like, that's kind of the first thing I have mm. in my head, especially with short stories or even with fan fiction. I have, like, a piece of dialogue in my mind. That's how I start. This is how my brain often likes to give me, like, one scene, even if I write something larger than just a short story. I have, like, this one scene. And now exactly what the characters are going to say. And this is, like, the first thing I type down really quickly. Like, mm. this moment when you have to sit down, find a computer, and type super quickly because it's going to be gone in 10 seconds. Yeah. And this is the first thing that needs to go onto paper for me. Sometimes it works like that for me. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. One person actually told me that you shouldn't start with dialogue. Oh, why? I don't know that I agree. She said that it's offsetting, that your reader is coming into the story cold, doesn't know the characters, and without any sort of setup, that it can be jarring. I kind of like that feeling of just jumping in mm. and figuring it out personally. True. So you can find arguments for and against anything in writing. True. It's just a matter of finding what works for you, I think. What works for the story. Absolutely. I just find that dialogue is like 
the thing that to me makes or breaks a story. Mm. If dialogue is wonky and it just isn't believable and just doesn't work for the characters, mm-hmm. I, I will stop reading. Like the dialogue mm-hmm. is what kills me. You know, not being a native speaker in English, I have a huge, not fear, so to say, but I have a huge respect towards any kind of accents and like trying to phonetically um, make them appear in my stories Mm. because this is like there's like a level of removal like even in German when rarely I do write in German I'm like familiar with a few different times types of dialects and like accents and I will try to mimic those a little bit but I don't know like beyond that especially in English I feel like I'd rather just stick to like a standard language and try to make that work for me because I find honesty, dialogue can be some one of the hardest parts of a story if you're not a native speaker. It's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to write with any kind of dialect can be really tricky. It can mm. be a lot of fun if it's done correctly, but it can also offend people if you do it incorrectly. True. And it can also confuse readers if they don't know what is did she just misspell this thing on is this an accident is this on purpose yeah um and then keeping that consistent throughout the entire story is also a big one so oh yes i typically avoid trying to put any kind of dialect into or accents into my dialogue that's interesting even though you write memoir so in that genre to me it would make sense to have that in there now that's not to say i don't write in vocabulary that a particular character would use. That's fair. Okay, yes, we have to make that distinction. I don't try to write the mm-hmm. accent into what they're saying. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah, good question. <laughs> Recently, with the whole AI um, topic and a lot of different types of AIs popping up. There's also the transcription tools that I love because I do a lot of interviews for my job sometimes. I usually, I record things. In conversation, you'll have a bit of small talk. You'll have a bit of just blabbering about uh, the whole fiddle noises of M and uh and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And with AI, there's transcription tools and I love them. But they also make me like even more aware how much of a difference there is between like spoken conversation and dialogue that you would actually write or even in an interview, the things you actually write down for an article. Yes. And we're going to go ahead and just jump into the list. And as usual, we're going to go off the rails and not go with the number one thing <laughs> we have listed. That will be boring. <laughs> we never managed getting it in order. <laughs> and we like keeping ourselves confused, I think. Mm. But one of the big things we've been talking about so far today is the difference between how people actually speak mm-hmm. and then writing down dialogue that sounds natural. I think it was tip number nine was... Yeah, it's way down the list. Yes. Making it sound real instead of making it real. I had a class where we were actually supposed to go to a cafe, eavesdrop, and write down as oh. quickly as we could exactly what people were saying. And you read it and it's like, wow, these people are either insane or stupid (laughs) or they're mentally challenged. If you take dialogue Mm. just exactly as it is spoken and you just put that directly into your story, it does not sound right. And so it's so important and so tricky to find this balance of getting 
something that sounds natural, but actually isn't. That is so true. And Christina, because we're, we're kind of um, doing this list from the back, I'll just head with our 10 in the list. Thank God there's going to be like a bit of a blog post going with this. So if you get <laughs> confused at any point, just check that out. Another tip on our list, um, the number two for, for this purpose is read it out loud. And that makes a huge difference because if it's only in your head, you're like, oh, that's fine. And then you read it out loud and you're like, wait, something's really awkward. Something's weird. Mm -hmm. If it sounds like completely out of character and completely odd, you might want to ask yourself if this might be a case of no dialogue necessary at all mm. at this point. Just to say, you might just consider striking it out and leaving it without dialogue. Or a thing I like to do recently is with longer stories that I'm experimenting with right now, because as you know, short stories are kind of my thing and longer stories are hard. So when I don't want to use curse words, I just say he cursed or she cursed. And I just say that because that kind of allows me to not actually write speech and kind of write around it. Or like if you go to a doctor's office and they have the whole conversation, like the whole signing in process. And you even just say after talking to the lady at the front desk or the guy at the front yeah. desk, I sat down and you kind of just skip over these bits of conversation. And I find especially with very mundane things. That is a cool thing to do. But you can always make sure that um, your dialogue, if you use it, still sounds somewhat credible if you just read it out loud. Yes. And this is something I think is our number one tool as writers is reading something out loud. Whether it be True. you reading it out loud or you can also use tools like naturalreaders.com or just yes. Google mm -hmm. Voice to, or text to voice. There are lots of tools out there. Also, I find that actually reading it out loud to another person as an extra level of. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say that. Yeah. Like I can read it out loud to myself and I'm still, I will find myself putting in words that aren't actually there or taking out mm. words that are to make it sound more natural. My brain just fills in the blanks. But if I'm reading yeah. it out loud to another person, then I definitely notice, oh, this really True. isn't working. True. Also, there are groups like if you're writing memoir, you could come to memoir mentors and we read out loud to each other. And every once in a while under creative questers, we also have mm. reading out loud. We need, we should set another one of those up. Yes. But it's really fun to hear other people's stories and it really helps us oh, yeah. get feedback on what's working, what's not. In those critique sessions, there are some people who almost every time will say, oh, there needs to be more dialogue. So I find it really interesting. Yeah. And I'm happy that you brought this up, that sometimes dialogue is not needed. It's an easy go-to to say this piece needs more dialogue, but that's not always true. Fair. You do need to find a balance. If it's all dialogue, it's boring. Yeah. Or more of an experimental type of text Yeah, it's all dialogue. Or a play. Yeah. Maybe you're writing a play. Yes. Yes. It's not to say it doesn't work, but mm. generally speaking, you want to find a nice balance. And if you just have one line of dialogue and then you have two pages oh, God. of something else, that's probably a, a case where you want to take that dialogue out. It needs to be an interaction between two people. Mm -hmm. If it's just one person saying one line, hmm, what's that doing for the story? True that. And also talking about taking things out, Christina, I think that leads us straight into the next point on our list. Keeping it short. Mm. so it is okay to have a lot of dialogue but you got to mix it up you've got to have narrative and action and dialogue and it all has to be kind of balanced you don't want true 
Yeah. I think that leads right into the next point. It does. We love to small talk a little bit and derail on side quests and completely different thoughts. But um, you should avoid that when writing dialogue. Just don't go into small talk like the whole example I already made about the doctor's office and the whole about how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I was like, just skip that bit. Mm-hmm. it's just part of natural social interaction it's just you kind of have to think about how would I talk to a real good friend on the phone because I know I sometimes call good friends and I don't even say hello I just start with why did you do this shit <laughs> you just start with like the, the question or the thing you need to know and I think that might be a good reminder to keep inside your head when writing dialogue in in a text think of yourself talking to a real good friend don't don't do all the weird stuff the small talk stuff just go for the kill just ask the thing you want to know or if there is small talk you've got to have it there for a purpose yes yeah. so when you're writing your dialogue think about the motivation uh, behind mm-hmm. it this isn't one of the things we have on our list but it should be ask yourself why is this dialogue here yes is it revealing character is it setting the tone if it's just something that's just because you don't know what else to do, maybe mm, you don't need it. It's probably it. not a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Screw and that. If it's boring you, it's probably going to bore the reader. True that. This leads into avoiding info dumps. If you are writing, you find yourself writing a piece of dialogue. And the reason why you're writing it is because, oh, I really need to tell the reader X. You know, you have your character give this long explanation of why they are, where they are, the why. If it's just like a, a long soliloquy, that's usually a sign that it might be an info dump. Or mm-hmm. if it starts with, as you know, well. Mm. There is somehow a natural impulse to try and do that, to get information into your story. But I can only say two things about that. First of all, If you've ever read a story in any capacity that does that, you will realize how weird it is and how off-putting it is as a reader. Mm -hmm. And also, second of all, just don't, don't get lost in this idea. You need to present the information to your readers on a silver platter. Usually, readers can read between the lines and can make sense of what you're doing if you're doing it right. You need to play with the reader there, I think, is what I kind of like Mm -hmm. to do right now. Especially when you do like horror or like mystery stories or anything that works with this kind of secrecy, mystery, and then reveal type of back and forth. Just remember that because that creates tension and it makes your story so much better for it so trust in the reader to understand what you mean even though you're only hinting at it that makes your story better yeah and you can still give that information that needs to come across later but don't Mm -hmm. do it all at once this happens very often info dumps are right at the beginning of a story and that's the most critical Mm -hmm. time to hook your reader and if you have too much of it then the reader's just going to go this is not a story i want to read I'm out. Yeah, absolutely. But I do like what you're t- what you're talking about and just giving them little pieces and make them go, huh, I wonder why that's happening. And makes them keep reading to see what's happening and makes them keep wanting to see why these characters are acting the way they are. True. That moves the story forward and keeps your reader reading. Agreed. And if you have to give the reader more information, do it with another thing that is our next tip on the list. Use your dialogue tags, but use them wisely. Generally, um, a dialogue tag or the most most used dialogue tag 
of all time is he or she said. Mm-hmm. And that might seem boring and might seem plain. And you might be like, especially writing it, which is always a different experience than reading a text. You might be, oh God, I've used this so many times. Mm-hmm. And just use it. What I do is when I start writing things, I use like exclusively he or she said. I, I only change it if there's like, a moment where I'm like, oh, I need this to be whispered or I need this to be um, said in a different or shouted to make like a strong point. But that only works if you use it very sparingly. And this is also one of the the moments when it's like whispered quietly, where it's like, no, 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 don't, don't like duplicate stuff. Yes. It's too much. It's just it's like, I mean, there might be rare instances where this works for like, even for comedic purposes in particular <laughs> stories, but in general, like reading it only makes me go, I don't know that people whisper loudly. Like I like this <laughs> idea of, you know, there's like the the idea of stage whispering. And I like when people like he stage whispered when it's like, oh, it's actually not proper whispering, but it's kind of this whole mock pretend thing. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of like that pointed out to me because it works. But in general, the context should help you make that clear. And at the same time, you can use your dialogue facts so much more wisely and just go with um, showing a bit of the scenery and the setting or showing a bit more about the character and what they are like or even relationships to other people and just adding a bit here or there. It doesn't even have to be like speech text where it's like um, he said, she asked or whispered or whatever. It can even be just like um, your dialogue piece and then person A, um, look down the cliff. And then it's like, yeah, there's like a whole meaning behind that and a whole thing like what's happening. And this there's like so much more you can put into that and also play with like irony and all these kind of elements, which make much more sense if you just give them a bit of context. And also using, you've been hinting around about this, like mm. dialogue action beats, what that is in yes. case you don't know the terminology. That's something to break up the dialogue to indicate who's speaking without saying he said, she said, mm. he whispered, she whispered, whatever. It can be things like, for example, I just don't know. Jenny gazed at the smoldering ruins at the home. So you've got a nice exposition of what she's looking at there without, and you know that she's the one speaking because mm. she's she's the one gazing. There's smoldering ruins. There's a lot happening there without having to say, Jenny said, as she gazed at the smoldering ruins. Yeah, Absolutely. Sometimes when you have a conversation between just two people, you might even just forgo any dialogue text at all. Because Mm -hmm. when you indicate who starts speaking, there is going to be a natural back and forth, which just doesn't need any speech or dialogue tags in between. Like usually you're aware what's happening. So that works. Yeah, I agree. And I used to write like that almost exclusively and just have have the dialogue tags only when I needed them. And then... Mm. I had classes at the University of Iowa, I probably have mentioned, and my mentor, he's of the mind that you can reveal so much through these action tags, through these, um, through these action beats. And so he was always telling me to put more in, but I was also really burned by reading a couple of stories that had almost every line of dialogue had an action beat attached to them. And I I wanted to take the book and just throw it out the window because it was so annoying to me. I don't need to see every single little piece yeah. of Christina said as she put her marker down on her desk and then looked <laughs> up the camera 
at her friend Jeff got, you know, you don't need all of this. <laughs> yeah. That's it too just much. Just... Slows things down. It almost feels like this is only to create a higher word count. Honestly, <laughs> it's finding that balance. So much of writing is finding the balance because mm, some yeah. of them having just little pieces sprinkled throughout your text. True. Makes for sparkling. Uh, makes for sparkling. Sparkling stories. Doesn't sparkle joy. <laughs> and it's so true. you just have to, this leads to another one of the points is to mix it up. You don't want to have all of your, all of your dialogue tags be exclusively he said, she said necessarily. You could also use these action beats and you can also just have it, have the, let the reader figure it out and also mixing up the order of where they are in the sentence. So instead of always saying the, the dialogue and then said, he said, and then having more dialogue, she said, if you can have that dialogue tag be in the middle of the text, sometimes have to be, at the, be at the beginning. Sometimes this is also another way of avoiding the repetition, making this yeah. sound dry and boring to the reader. On we go to the next point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit using body language. Yeah. Is something that can be really effective in your dialogue action beats. If you do start and have a character say, hello, he said, leaning against the doorframe, sexily um, raising his eyebrows. Just, I don't know. I've like, I've, that's, I've that's seen a little much. too many bad things. That's a little <laughs> much, honestly. You can, but it's, it's, it's a fun thing. Like, even if you make these examples and you're realizing you, you're saying it out loud and you almost have to laugh, it's kind of, okay, it's just overdoing it. But it's like, you can already tell this is the start of really bad fan fiction that's probably going to end <laughs> in smutty business. This is just this is just the way this this um, body language moment makes me think about this scene. Mm. So, yeah, can't help a lot telling you about the story. So, for example, you could say, "Tell me again where you were last night." She said angrily. It's okay. Or you could say, "Tell me again where you were last night." She crossed her arms. And narrowed her eyes. That gets the angrily across without having to outright tell your reader what this person True. is feeling and what they should be feeling. True. There's also something to be said, I think, about cliche um, phrases and the, the narrowing of the eyes. And that. But that's, this is a lot about, I think, personal preference. As with all things in writing, I think, it's very subjective what you actually enjoy to read and what's good mm -hmm. writing to you. And this to me, I just like some of these phrases are just overdone. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, ah, oh. and I also have like my, as you know, I have like my my little pet phrases that I like to use a lot. So I'm not free of this. I feel like every person is going to have other like almost like trigger phrases where it's like, oh God, not this again. That feels like a whole separate quest though. So let's not go down this road. Let's instead move on to the next thing, which is also connected to this. Use your adverbs sparingly and be careful with them because if you overdo it or if you choose the wrong ones, you will make a scene that's supposed to be dramatic or really sexy and seductive into something that is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that happens so quickly. If you use the dialogue tech said a lot, you're like, oh, but I need to change it up. And then a character will say something once they say it quietly, once they say it, I don't know. If you do too much of this, it will trip the reader up and, be, and they'll be like, wait, what's happening? This is too much. Like you completely lose the plot, like quite literally. And the focus shifts away from 
what you want your story to do and what your plot line is or your character development or whatever and just falls onto these tiny little words that just do nothing except for distracting the reader remind the reader that they're reading instead of experiencing a story yes so they can be a good thing like on occasion adverbs Mm -hmm. are my favorite thing but be (laughs) careful about it and this is something every writer will kind of know about themselves i think if they tend to use too few of those or too many and i think most people are in the letter um group of people too many adverbs is kind of a thing at least with the the text that i have um read in the past more people will overdo it than underdo it and yeah just be careful with those Yes. And a quick tip on how to find those in your writing. If you search for the letters L-Y, that is typically how an adverb ends. And it's okay to write that first draft to use that, but then you can go back in and make those adverbs into body language or action beats, or you can look at it and say, you know what? I can tell this character is angry based on what they're saying. I don't need to tell the reader. And you can just take it out altogether. That makes sense. And I'd like to go back for a moment when we were talking about expressing emotions and the cliches of body language and such. There is a book that's been recommended to me a number of times, and I haven't, to be honest, actually used it yet, but it's been recommended enough times that I'd like to recommend it too. (laughs) Uh, It's called The the Emotion Thesaurus. And this, uh, it's got 4.7 out of five stars on Amazon. Not so bad at all. people like it. It's a book that shows uh, you can just search up, search for an emotion and it will give you different actions and body language and sensations associated with that emotion. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So one way that I love to get dialogue and reveal scene and character interplay is to give your characters a quest. So it could be something that is actually not essential to the plot of the story. Like maybe it's putting together some piece of furniture from Ikea, let's say. But by having your characters, having two characters build something together. Yes. It gives you a lot of opportunity to show you, show the reader what kind of dynamics they have in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And it can also break up the dialogue so that they could be having a conversation about something else entirely, but then say, hand me the, hand me the hammer, you know, and, and have these little things in between to, to break that dialogue up and to be multi-purpose. So when you can, if you can make your writing dual duty and do multiple things at the same time, that's, Ah, that sparkles joy for sure. Sparkles. <laughs> I totally agree with that. And as a huge fan of anything Arthurian mythology, my first thought was a knight on a quest, finding the Holy Grail. And like, it can be that, but that might be a bit of the dramatic side. And not every story is going to have a goal like that. But even like there are these different stages, so to say, within the Arthurian cycles that are told. First, um, Lancelot is the best knight because of his love for Guinevere. 
And then later it's Galahad, who is the very religious type and in a quest of, or for the Holy Grail. And it's author, of course, too, with like this whole warrior type kinghood. And there's like these kind of different goals to their quests that shift throughout the cycles, which is how you can immediately identify where you are. It's more complex than that. Can I ask, what does this have to do with dialogue? Let me come back to it. (laughs) I'm not done yet. Do not interrupt. The thing about this is there's kind of this central element to their quests. And it's more about the story altogether, where you can kind of always tell where about your ad in this whole quest and who's like right now the best type of knight. But this also is like a central element to their characters, which comes back in everything they say. Mm. and Arthurian mythology in bits and pieces also told like orally um, in an oral tradition and retold and changed and reshaped and then French traditions on top of that and Welsh stories and really old Irish ones and just so many things and then this whole thing being kind of a collective mythology creation thingy I'm sorry I'm gonna come back to dialogue in a second um (laughs) You guys can see that, but Christina is like giving me the eyebrow that tells me, come back to the topic. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm here, I'm here. The point I'm making is just that they kind of have the central element to their quest, which also gets repeated a lot throughout dialogue and text, then also becomes something very central to their dialogue. Okay, so to put that into a more succinct form... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to sum up all the blabber that Shevka has been giving you. Yes, please. I do. think that is a really good point that if you know what your character's quests are, this helps us in revealing their character through their dialogue. If you keep in mind what their defining traits are, that helps you with deciding what kind of language they're going to use, what their interactions with others are based <laughs> on who they are, what their goals are, and how they where the relationships are with others. Correct. And to make you stop giving me the evil eyebrow, I'm going to move on to our last tip really quick, which is don't overuse names. So Ah. this is another thing that happens a lot at the beginning of stories, I think, where you're trying to introduce a character and suddenly there's this new character with this new name and you're introducing them by having a character forcefully call them by their name Mm. or or shout for them or to introduce the name and then have the name move over into your story this if done right can be a really good way to introduce a character and it works in parts sometimes but if done wrong it's Another one of these instances where the reader is like, oh, I'm reading a story completely ripped out of this illusion you're trying to create. And also, I find that in normal speech, Christina, I wouldn't say your name a lot. On occasion, you do that. But I find myself actually saying your name more within these podcasts. But when we just talk to each other, I don't think I ever say your name. Yeah. You can do it to get somebody's attention. Yeah. That's... A very common way to do it, but you're right. And it was like, Shaka, hey, hey, this is not the topic. Shaka, come, come on, back. <laughs> come on, Shaka, come back, come back home. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not natural. Quick side quest. It's actually something they sometimes teach you at um, certain seminars for leadership because you can, like, almost on a psychological level, create 
a stronger kind of connection with people you barely know if you just repeat their names a few mm. times because it will and it will also help uh, help you memorize their name mm. even though you've only met the person once so there's a whole thing to be said about names and this is another complete episode and side quest and i'll be good um <laughs> But in dialogue, don't overdo it because yeah. it can be super weird. It just makes you stumble. It doesn't work. But it can also be helpful. So I think as long yeah. as you take all of these pieces that we've talked about, one side, the positive side of them is they can be different ways of making your dialogue interesting, sparkly, and varied. If you overuse any one of these things, besides reading it out loud, no, even reading it out loud. <laughs> Use any of these tools. Can you ever read too much out loud? <laughs> <laughs> too often. Then it's a problem. So totally. all things in moderation, including moderation, is one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. So shall we recap? Yeah. So I think tip number one was yours, even yes. though it wasn't technically number one on our list. Right. Tip number one slash number nine was <laughs> making it sound real rather than actually imitating dialogue yes tip number two was read it out loud yes tip number three was keeping it short tip number four was avoid small talk tip number five is avoiding info dumps tip number four is make use of your dialogue tags and number wait number what what number are we on now Seven? uh wait yeah seven did i say the right number yeah i don't know it doesn't matter <laughs> there okay. will be a list in the show notes i promise and i will make sure it's numbered correctly number seven is using body language appropriately yeah number eight is don't rely on adverbs too much and number nine is giving your characters a quest yes and number 10 is do not overuse names isn't that right Stefka? <laughs> well done Stefka. oh god please don't do this to me uh, all right but i think that sums up our little episode about dialogue mm -hmm. and yeah we hope you got uh, some good tips from that and can take away some elements for your stories that you can use the next time you write something and yes i think that's it all right thank you everyone for listening today Please like us on whatever platform you're listening on. Share with your friends. And you can find our show notes, as always, on creativequestus.com. And until the next episode, happy questing. Happy questing.